Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We want to be part of transforming the workplace of every Christ follower into a mission field. That's right. And listeners, I just want to let you know of something that's going on right now. We have a little bit of time left in a video contest that we are currently doing for I Work For Him. But this is a contest about you. So um, go to our Facebook page. You can find the instructions there. But the whole idea is to um, videotape one or two minutes with some details regarding how your life is different today in your workplace since you've started listening to I Work For Him and and the what is it that changed in your life? What paradigm shift happened? Um, put that in, in in a one or two minute little video that you can do right on your phone and, and post out there. So this is your opportunity. Um, go check out the details. And if you have any questions about it, I'm not sure. Jim's doing How sign language. How much money are we giving away? What are we giving? I mean, it's a <laughs> well, contest. they'll find those details in there. Oh, so okay. um, I, they can go through all that. I don't want to spend our time on that today, but I just want to drive our listeners to the Facebook page and get involved in this contest while it's going on. Yes, that's right. Give us a video. And also, we're going to give away a book on the show today from our guest, Make sure you always program our listener line in, and you could call in whether you're listening to the podcast or whether you're listening to the broadcast, you can get a hold of us on this listener line 24 hours a day. Right. We might not answer it 24 hours a day, but you, we will get your voicemail and we will uh, get back in touch with you. 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Mentors. Joshua had one. Moses had one. Peter, James, and John, they had one. Do you have one? In society of old, everyone had a mentor. You were mentored at work, at home, on the farm, and at church. You were mentored at the local drugstore, drugstore counter, feed store. There were the next generation there. The next generation mentors constantly were feeding into the next generation. I mean, it was always, there was always mentoring everywhere. But where have all the mentors gone? Are they just too busy? Or are they ready and waiting? Their answer is, no, they're not too busy. There are millions of men and women out there who would love to mentor you and walk alongside you in life in a mentoring kind of relationship. They just need to be asked. So what are the specifics of a mentoring relationship? What should it look like and how do you get it started? Well, I'm not an expert, but let's bring in an expert who can help us work through this entire issue. Bill Hendricks from the Giftedness Center. Welcome to I Work For Him. (laughs) Jim, Martha, good to be with you and your listeners. I appreciate your having me with you today. We really are excited to to just talk about this because this is something we've dealt with before, but we've never interviewed somebody who wrote a whole book about it. So, Bill, before we get started, we always we always just want to hear. We want the audience to hear. Tell us your Jesus story. Ah, uh, that's easy. When I was four years old, uh, my mom used to put uh, records on about the Easter story. And it was Charlton Heston. That, that's a name some will recognize, and some of the mm-hmm. younger ones may not. But this guy had a voice that sounded like God, and he would he would read through the Easter story on these uh, on these records. And you know, I'm listening to these things as I'm getting ready to go to bed one night, and I don't know, you know, all of a sudden it struck me: this man seemed like a good man. Why why were they killing him? Why why did they want to put him on a cross? And I was pretty upset about it. And I, I went to my mom, and I said, why would they do that to this, this good man? And she said, well, you know, 
he actually died for you. And I said, what do you mean? And she gave me the gospel. She told me that Jesus had uh, come to die for sinners. And and, uh, and believe me, my mom didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. I knew that from a very early age, you know, with a four years old understanding. But I mean, I... If, and then when I heard that what this man did on the cross had, had paid my debt and, and made it possible for me to have a relationship with God, uh, to me, that made all the sense in the world. And so I prayed and, and asked, you know, the Lord to become my Savior, and that's where it started. And I've been, you know, walking with Him ever since. I've never had, you know, I've never been one of these people that ran away from the gospel and the church and... Uh, Obviously, had ups and downs, but uh, uh, God has been very, very faithful to His Word. Mm. And He always is. Uh, and it's just that sometimes we struggle with that faithfulness. Now, you grew up in the household of, of a dad who was a famous seminary professor. So <laughs> yeah, lots of pressure, cool. lots of pressure on you because you know there's a lot of people. If we t- if we said who your dad was today, they go, "Holy smokes, really?" Yeah, but a lot of times, you know, that's that's a lot of pressure on a kid uh, to uh, to live up to the reputation that dad's putting out there across the nation and around the world. Did you struggle with that? Um, I think I struggled in my 30s, you know, 20s and 30s about my identity. But uh, honestly, uh, you know, people say, what was it like to grow up in the household of Howard Hendricks? To be honest, it was actually a quite normal household. We had to deal with the same things every other family deals with, you know. Uh, you know, mom and dad had to put food on the table. We had schoolwork. We had chores. We had to keep the house up. We had a dog. You know, we had lots of fun as a family. We had lots of fights as kids. I mean, it was a pretty normal family. And uh, and yeah, on top of that, there's a certain I guess you'd say celebrityism. Dad was pretty well known in <clears throat> certain evangelical circles, and uh, you, you, I don't know. You just kind of learn to deal with that. But yes, I, I I had to sort of think through in my 30s and 40s. Well, who am I, and who am I apart from my dad? And uh, this is where some mentors became extraordinarily helpful for me because they they dealt with me as me, not me as my dad's son. Mm. That was helpful. And I, I, I want to get into that. So talk to us about it. I mean, your dad's seminary professor, Dallas Theological, is that the role yeah. that you decided to pursue? I mean, our fathers have a lot of influence over us in our careers. Did you decide to follow in dad's footsteps? Uh, I did not. Frankly, Jim, when I graduated from college, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life, like so many college students. You know, everybody thinks college is going to help you figure out what to do with your life, and they don't realize colleges have no vested interest in helping you figure that out. Uh, at any rate, when I graduated, I didn't know what to do, and I, uh, I went to work in a church with uh, young adults, singles, um, college students, and, uh, and then, like people who don't know what to do with their life, I decided to go back to school, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I got a master's degree in mass communications, and... Uh, and then I got another master's degree in biblical studies. And at that point, my wife, because I'd gotten married in the interim, one day said to me, it was about a week after that second graduation, she said, look, I'm tired of putting you through school. You know, I, I want to stay home and have babies. You get, you get out there and make some money. And uh, in parliamentary terms, we call that calling the question. you got to make up your mind. Yeah. And I was scared about it. And I didn't know what to do. 
And somebody introduced me to the process that I now use at the Giftedness Center to help people figure out how God has designed them, and that design has huge implications for their career and calling. And it was transformational in my life. It was as if I'd been a it was as if I'd been in a pitch black room, stumbling over furniture, bumping into the wall, falling down, getting hurt, and somebody just reached over and flipped the light switch, and suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, now I get it. Now I understood what God has designed me to do and how to contribute in this world. And that enabled me then to begin to build my career. And it was a career that was different from my dad's. It wasn't like totally different, you know, but it was different enough to where over the next, uh, you know, 30 years, 35 years, I was able to, you know, develop my own identity quite apart from him. Uh, and that was very helpful to our relationship, frankly. And, uh, you know, I love my dad. He's now with the Lord, but uh, mm-hmm. it 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 helped me to be able to this to realize that there were certain things that God had made me to be able to do that He didn't make my dad to be able to do, and that was a wonderful insight. And you know, that's that leads into a conversation that we have often here on I Work for Him. And um, so, is that the point in your life where you realize that God cared about what your work was going to be as much yes. as that of a pastor or a missionary or a professor Absolutely. at a seminary? Yeah, Martha. Uh, early on, one of the benefits I guess I picked up from my dad was the idea of today we would call it whole life discipleship. Mm-hmm. That means. Jesus is Lord of all, and if he's Lord of all, that means he's Lord of our work, he's Lord of our play, he's Lord of our home, he's Lord of everything. I mean, all means all. And uh, and so I think I sort of had an instinctive integration of faith and work, really, from the start of my career. And of course, my whole career has been involved with the faith and work movement. So listeners, as we get into this conversation um, that we're going to have today with Bill Hendricks, we're going to be talking um, and referring to a book that he's just recently written called Men of Influence, The Transformational Impact of Godly Mentors. And I believe that you're going to want to um, inquire deeper about this book. And we have the opportunity to give a copy of that away. So please call into our listener line, 866-713-9675. 866-713-WORK and leave me a message and uh, I can get a hold of you and get your information so that we can get a copy of this book sent to you. And for those that don't make the call, um, this is something you'll want to check out. And so I just really want to encourage you to lean in and listen today as we dig a little bit deeper. Bill Hendricks with the Giftedness Center, thegiftednesscenter.com. People can go out there, Bill, and, and, and go through, can they get access to that process that you talked about in helping them figure out who did God create them to be and what did he create them to be doing? Yes. There's a, there's a section on the website of an, a little simple assessment process that's very similar to what we do formally at the Giftedness Center. And it's a fun exercise of telling some stories and then looking for some patterns, but it'll take them a long way to understanding uh, how God's designed them and therefore what their role calling is. Hey, right before the break, you were talking about, and I'm sorry, I had to interrupt you, but you, you were talking about how you made that realization and as you realized that God cared as much about your work out there in the marketplace as he did about your dad's work as a seminary professor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I co-authored a book and came out in January of 1988 
uh, with Doug Sherman, and and we had a ministry not dissimilar to I work for him called Career Impact Ministries, and we wrote a book that that became kind of a standard read on on God's perspective on work called Your Work Matters to God, and that title is kind of the the main idea of the book. No matter what your work is, God cares about it because He cares about you, but he, mm-hmm. He's put you here on the planet to make a contribution. Um, in Genesis 1, the very first words that God says to human beings have to do with their work. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule over it, make the world fruitful. The world on its own is not very fruitful. It just gives us raw resources. But to each and every human being, God has given a means of adding value to the world uh, and its resources that make it fruitful. And we call that your giftedness. And so that's why it's so important that people discover what their giftedness is. Uh, and the giftedness is not, in the, is not in the job. It's in them. It's not an occupational title. Some people are wired to solve problems. Some people are wired to understand things at a very deep level. Some people are wired to influence others' behaviors. Some people are wired to cause learning to take place. There's all kinds of forms of giftedness because we have all kinds of work that needs to be done in the world. Hmm. But it's by that means, that giftedness, that God enables each person who's made in his image to, uh, to fulfill a purpose for which he specifically made them and placed them here. That's, that's Ephesians 2.10. You're his, his workmanship, his handiwork. You're made almost like a tool for specific good works which he's prepared before you were ever put on the planet for you. So you referred to the fact that um, you you understood this word or this phrase, whole life discipleship, yes. but yet you really had this desire to help other people understand it. That's kind of what I'm hearing as a theme, you know, books that you've yep. written and where are you going? So um, were you mentored in that or how did mentoring really play a role in your life? Oh my gosh, I have had so many wonderful mentors. I'm a blessed man. In the book, uh, Men of Influence, I talk about one of the first ones was a seventh-grade teacher. Um, I had had a very difficult time in fifth grade with the teacher that I had in fifth grade, and she had her hands full with me because I, I, I had a lot of energy, and, a, and, and I got done with assignments too quickly, and then I you know, was causing trouble. And in those days, they used to send you out in the hall. That was the punishment for disrupting the class. And I spent the better part of fifth grade out in the hall, and it was a pretty un- unpleasant experience. Yeah. And sixth grade, I kind of limped through. But when I got to seventh grade, a man named Mr. Gibson, he quickly realized that he had a high-octane person on his hands. Somebody had a lot of energy and needed to be directed. And he gave me no end of projects and assignments and roles, and it just soaked up all that energy, but it directed it, and it helped me feel a sense of accomplishment, and uh, uh, he, he, it, it really was one of the, the shaping influences, I think, in my young life uh, as I was an adolescent and just coming into, you know, being a man. Um, and a, a critical thing he also did was to, to help my parents sort of realize that, that uh, they might want to think about some educational possibilities for me that they hadn't thought about, and it it was probably one of the forks in the road in my life, that man. Wow. Have you ever gone back and thanked him before it was, I mean, he may be gone today, but did you ever yeah. get a chance to go back and thank him? 
You know, I, I, I didn't. And uh, I have looked him up online and have not been able to locate or even determine whether he's still alive. But, but you, you raise a great point there, Jim. I also, in the book, mention if somebody builds into your life and the way you know somebody has been a mentor is when you look back and you think, you know, if it weren't for so-and-so, I would have never become the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. You may not have known they were having that shaping influence at the time, and frankly, m- maybe na- they didn't either. And that's the nature of mentoring. You don't always know when it's going on. But when you look back and you realize somebody really contributed to me, it is worth tracking them down to say thank you and mm-hmm. to express your appreciation. You know, kind of re- yeah. it kind of reminds me of our our Bible study last night. We had this discussion, and we were talking about one guy was like, "Well, I was teaching fifth grade Sunday school, and I'm not sure any of them learned about the you know Jonah and the whale as good as I did." And I said, "But you have no idea what impact you may have made on them with words you said, a, a touch on the shoulder, um, your consistency, your integrity, your love for them. Yep. You know, just that the the role you needed to fill for them, you were doing it." It may not have been about the lesson, <laughs> you know, it was, it might have been the, the person that you were to them. And that's really mentoring. That really yeah, I, is mentoring, Martha. Go ahead, Jim. No, I just was the same. I and mean, the same thing, but I don't, I had a mentor in high school who absolutely transformed my life. And I have m- maintained in, being in touch with him for over 40 mm-hmm. years. And, but I don't remember a single thing he taught me specifically, but I do remember he loved me and unconditionally. And I was to say high octane. I, you and I probably together would have been nuclear. Okay, yep. <laughs> I get it. I, I know. I was thinking that was maybe a really good way to describe you. High octane. Yep. Yeah. I, I think my teacher just called my parents and said, "Jim's a pain in the butt." Okay. <laughs> All right. So you and your dad first wrote this book in 1995, and you went back and re-released this book mm-hmm. this year. Yep. Why write a book about mentoring? Well, because Dad had been a big speaker in the Promise Keepers movement, mm. and uh, he gave a talk one, one day at Promise Keepers and said, every man needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy, a Paul to build into his life, a Barnabas to walk alongside him, and a Timothy into whose life he's building. And that became like a slogan or a watchword that really took hold, and they asked us then to write a book to flush that out um, for the benefit of the men in Promise Keepers. But, was your dad you know, the first one that said that? Was your dad the first one that came out and made that public? Yes, I I, I think he's he could be credited with that. Mm. That is fantastic. I didn't hear that until like six years ago, but it was somebody reproducing. Uh, I, that's fantastic. I love that because we talk about that all the time. Sorry, I interrupted you. Right. We're talking mentoring today, and it's not the first time we talk about mentoring on the air today, is it, Martha? No, it's not. But this is a conversation that we love to revisit because it's one of those things that I think a lot of people just don't think that they're equipped enough to, to be involved in mentoring and or maybe they feel like they're too needy if they need a mentor. I think there's a lot of stigma. We, again, just had this conversation in Bible study last night, you know, somebody saying, well, I'm, I'm thinking about mentoring. Adults kind of scare me, so maybe I'm going to do teenagers. And I'm thinking, wow, you're brave, you know? So it was just, we were having that discussion, right. but it's really, I think a lot of people wonder what they can do in this area or what they should be doing. And maybe this is going to give them some insight into those next steps. And we have now learned the origination of the phrase, everybody needs a Paul, 
everybody needs a Barnabas and everybody needs a Timothy in their life. We've got Bill Hendricks on the line with us today from the Giftedness Center in Dallas, Texas, thegiftednesscenter.com. Bill, I got to tell you, I'm thrilled to know that your dad is the originator of that because I have, we have been teaching that for decades. And the point, even though we didn't know that statement, but we've been teaching it, that, that one of the secret sauces to our marriage has been marriage mentoring. Because when you mentor somebody, it, it raises a level of intentionality in your own life. Uh, yep. Because when you pour into others, it takes your mind off yourself, but it really focuses on who you are in Christ. It's just a powerful thing. So talk about this. When you guys wrote this book for Promise Keepers, you were involved in Promise Keepers, which you know that Promise Keepers relaunches July 31st, 2020 in Dallas, Texas. That's what I've heard. Fantastic. Next year, right in your backyard at uh, at Dallas Stadium, whatever the wherever that Cowboys play, that football team you guys have. <laughs> I Not, think people know the one. Yeah, I, yes. it's got yes, some names. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Really. Dad was the chaplain of that team for back during the Landry years for about 10 years. Oh, great. So Aww. when they were beating my Minnesota Vikings and destroying them, that, we're not right. talking about football anymore. He was anymore. praying about it. <laughs> we're, we're done with that anymore. Okay, so what, what, when you wrote this book, you know, when you first wrote this book in 1995 with your dad, it was to men. Yet today, there is just as desperate a need for women to mentor women as there is for men to mentor men. Absolutely. Ah, talk about that. Well, I think that as, as particularly as millennials have come of age, you know, if millennials are looking for anything, they're looking to be developed as people, as well they should. And that they, they instinctively think, you know, in terms of mentors, they're looking for people you know, from one point of view, the way I put it is, when you're a young adult, what you most need is an older adult to come alongside and invite you into the adult world, which means to treat you as an adult, which means mm-hmm. to listen to you uh, and without judgment, let you tell your story, let you tell the issues that you're working on, and then give you the benefit of, you know, I, I struggled with that same thing when I was your age, or here's how I dealt with that, or Here's the questions I had about that, and, and you tell some of your own story, and you, you develop just a, I guess you call it a relationship, call it a friendship, but this young adult realizes, you know, you're actually taking an interest in me. You actually care. You're not, you know, telling me what to do so much as listening to me as I kind of work through, and you give me some perspective, and you tell me about what other people have done in my situation. Most importantly, you're willing to walk with me as I figure out how I'm going to do what I need to do in a given yeah. situation. And that's really what mentoring kind of boils down to. It's, you know, you mentioned, Martha, there's a stigma about it. We have created this this myth in our culture that a mentor is this, you know, wise sage that knows <laughs> everything and has the answer to every question. I've never met such a person, okay, because yeah. I don't think they exist. Um I look at a mentor as a, a, a person who's simply been a little further down the trail than I have, and they can tell me what they've learned down there, what they've seen, and maybe what I want to pay attention to, and then they're going to walk with me as I walk down that trail. It, it's actually not that – it's not brain surgery. It's not that complicated, but we've made it complicated. 
So in your book, um, Men of Influence, and I just want to remind our listeners, they can call in to the 866-713-9675 and potentially get a copy of this book, 866-713-WORK. I want to hear from you first, um, before my next question, who is this book for? Who should pick it up? Is it somebody looking for um, something to do, just whatever it might be? Tell us who it's written for. Well, the, primarily, let's start with you know with the title "Men of Influence: The Transformational Impact of Godly Mentors." I think you can imagine it's a it's a book written for men, mm-hmm. and that was that was intentional because it it is sort of a uh, an updating of the previous book that Dad and I wrote, "As Iron Sharpens Iron: Building Character in a Mentoring Relationship." And again, that was for promise keepers or or for that era. Right. And um, it's not like women don't need mentoring; they absolutely do. Believe it or not, by today, there are a number of outstanding books in print on women and women mentoring women. Believe it or not, there are not almost any books on men mentoring men. Mm -hmm. And so both because this was a sequel, as it were, an updating of a previous book directed to men, and because, you know, I'm a man and I know men better than I know women, for sure, um, thought, <laughs> How many okay, years have you been married? How many years have you been married? Well, I've been married 10 years, and uh, uh, I, I, this is actually my second marriage. My first marriage was 23 years, and uh, unfortunately, she passed away in 2000 mm. of breast cancer. Mm. And uh, so, you know, combined, I guess I have 30, what, 30? 30 Th- 33 years, and you still years. don't have women figured out. I'm, I'm just, just, I can't believe <laughs> no, that. No, he figured it out. Women are different than men. Oh, okay. And he knows about That's the men exactly. better. <laughs> no, and, I, and I, I have no problem with, you know, I've been mentored by women. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've had women describe me as a mentor to them. So I, I have no problem going across gender like that, you know, obviously appropriately keep boundaries. Right. But I do believe that there's a there's a deep need for men to be involved in mentoring, and so that the yeah. book is for men, and it's you know there's two halves of the book. The first half is typically younger men who are looking for mentors. So we're talking millennials and soon Gen Zers and so forth, and people up into their mid 30s. And then the older you get, you know, the second half of the book is older men really need to serve as mentors. They need to be looking for those Timothys. And so that's kind of the two sides that I, I come at this. Okay. Okay, so, so let's speak. If you're a younger gotta, man, if you're an older man, this book is for you. Excellent. So I, I got I got I we've had conversations several times. Now we moved to the Fort Myers area not too long ago, and so now we are surrounded with way more retirees than we ever were in Tampa Bay. Yes. And and I'm having conversations with guys who are quote unquote retired and thinking that that's what God's called them to do. I'm like where? Show me that in the scriptures. And so we right. get into the conversation. It's, so I won't go off on that tirade or that soapbox right now, Bill Hendricks, for your, for your, <laughs> because this is shows about mentoring. But so I, I just challenged myself, listen, there are thousands and thousands of young men who desperately need an old guy in their lives. And yep. you know what their question is to me, Bill? How do I connect with them? Hmm. So well, tell me. Let, let's start with... Uh asking the question, if you were going to go fishing, how would you connect with the fish? Well, the first thing you do is get near some water, because that's kind of where fish live, right? Most of the time. So by, by extension, <laughs> you know, where are you going to run into seeing younger men? You're, you're not going to do it in the retirement home, okay? So you got to right. get out of there. Well, the most natural place uh, is probably going to be at your church. It ought to be. 
um, there's probably some young adult men at your church. Now, you know, you, you may look at them and go, gosh, I, I don't know how to relate to them. I mean, they're, they're young, they're energetic, they're handsome, they're bright. I don't have any of those things. Well, you're looking at externals. Right. I have never met a, a millennial, a young adult. I, I've never asked a young adult to have a cup of coffee where they've refused me, ever, ever. Mm. In every case, it's been like, wow, sure. Uh, that, you know, and they're like, I, I, why would you want to talk to me? <laughs> and, and it's just like, you know, well, I, you know, I just want to get to know you. I, I, you know, we go to the same church. I see you every Sunday. I just, I'd like to hear about your work and, and your world. And, and where'd, where, where'd you grow up? Where, where was, where was family for you? And they start telling me their story. And, you know, a couple cups of coffee later, we're, we're deep into their life and, and, and we don't have to even go deep, but, but the fact that I'm paying attention gets it started. It's literally about that simple. You know, it, it, it may be that there's a, a, a service project and a nonprofit or something that you're involved with, and there's some younger guys there. So you strike up a conversation, and you find a little bit of chemistry, and you go, hey, look, you know, I know this is going to be over a little while. I'd love to get together, man. Let's, let's, let's catch, a, catch a cup of coffee or catch a, catch a lunch or something. And they're like, sure, great. And, and you, you just kind of start going with them. And see where it goes. You you can't guarantee you're ever going to catch a fish when you throw a pole, or when you, start, you know, <laughs> if you throw a pole, if you throw the pole in the water, you're not going to catch <laughs> a fish. You might you get a fine. That's yeah. right. Throw yes, the hook in the water. We knew what you meant. Guaranteed not to catch a fish if you never throw a line in the water. Oh, that's, that's right. Such a good point. So what you're saying just in that moment is, you know, we've again just going back to the conversations that Jim's been having with some guys is they don't have to go to the church and say, hey, where is your official mentoring program so that I right. can sign up and get paired with somebody? That's not what, really what you're talking about, is it? Not at all. I mean, I talk about formal mentoring programs in the church and in business. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that in the main, that's a tough go because you can't force chemistry. Now, what those formal mentoring programs can do is provide opportunities for those relationships to happen. Sure. But, yeah, but can you name the- ten churches in the? Can you name ten churches in your city that have formal mentoring programs? Um, I could probably name five. Okay. Maybe, and, uh, I'm sure there's, I mean, Dallas is a big area, so I'm sure right. there's... <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. But in other parts are. of the country, that's a pretty unusual, that's that's not something that's fairly normal. So, Bill, I want to make sure we direct people out to the Giftedness Center as we come to the end of this segment, sure. because it's a place where people can get started. Why don't you, I mean, really quick, 20 seconds, what are they going to find when they go out to the giftednesscenter.com? Well, they're going to find a description of the kinds of services that we offer. They're going to find the description of our team. Uh, and some of the resources that we have. They're going to find a page on what we call giftedness coaching, which is about how they themselves could get a little modest orientation and training to do very similarly what we do at the Giftedness Center, which is to help people discover their giftedness and then use that insight to make uh, life decisions that are Mm. helpful. Good. You're listening to the I Work Free Radio Show with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Martha, we're having a great conversation with Bill Hendricks today. We are, Jim. And um, just so that you listeners know what we're talking about, if you've missed any of it, we're talking about the um, a re-release, a rewrite of a book 
called Men of Influence, The Transformational Impact of Godly Mentors with Bill Hendricks. And um, I want to make sure you know you can get a copy of this book by calling 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. And I think that the key here is to really... um, for me, it's listening and saying, Lord, what do you want me to be doing? You know, and, and seeking those relationships that we maybe are just being too timid about. Um, so I really hope that we can delve into that a little bit about how to open the door. And I'm curious, um, Bill, as we're talking, you know, th- I work for him. We're talking a lot about our work. Within yes. the context of work, how, what does mentorship look like? Well, again, some workplaces have formal mentoring programs, and they're mm-hmm. you know they they run the gamut from excellent to you know not so not 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 very <laughs> robust. Um, and the, the, I was going to make the point that the vast majority, the vast vast majority of mentoring relationships are actually informal. They uh-huh. they are there's nothing particularly structured about them, and and I think that's helpful for people to realize they're just two people who get into a relationship where one is having an influence on the other. And frankly, it can work both ways yeah. as in a peer mentoring relationship. Yeah. But even when, you, when I hang out with younger guys and do mentoring, uh, Bill, it, 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 it goes both ways. Always. Because these, yeah. This next generation, they, they look at things so different and we can learn from them. All right. So we made a comment in the last several segments. Everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy in their life. Why don't you explain what your dad meant when he said that in 1995? Yeah, everybody needs a Paul, which means somebody who's building into your life. We all need to grow, and frankly, that needs to continue all the way to the grave, okay? Um, We need people in our lives who are speaking into our lives to help us um, grow in Christ, grow in maturity, grow in our relationships, help us you know, navigate through challenges and difficulties and problems we're dealing with. We need a Barnabas. Barnabas was a, he was called the brother of encouragement. He, he was alongside others. He was a peer. We all need peers. I have a group of men that I meet with every Wednesday morning. There's five of us. We've, we've been having breakfast together on Wednesday mornings for probably the last 12 to 13 years. Wow. We've been through it all, all together, you know, because over that amount of time, every issue in a man's life is going to come on the table. Mm-hmm. We know about each other's marriages, finances, jobs, friendships, challenges, struggles, sins, um, victories. I mean, I mean, the whole, the whole thing. And, and, and there's a tremendous power that comes out of that uh, by having that kind of intimacy over time. And then every man needs a Timothy. And the idea there is, you know, Paul had this relationship with Timothy where he was, he was building into Timothy's life, and, uh, and it's the reverse of somebody building into your life. You've, you've, it's been like you've, you know, ac- accumulated wisdom and experience and knowledge and, uh, and certainly your share of failures. That's invaluable uh, as a resource to offer to another man who is going to walk that same journey but if they can listen to you tell your story, you don't have to give them the answers. You just tell your story, and you tell what worked and what you think didn't work, and then let God do the rest, and, and he will. It, it's an invaluable contribution. Well, and this works 
with, for both men and women. And, and it Absolutely. really, I think, I think what, you know, what we read, and I'm just going to highlight, you know, Grant Skeldon wrote this book by a millennial called The Passion Generation on here's how you go and get a mentor. He, he says, here's what you look for. And it's somebody that's chronologically superior to you. So therefore, they've been given some years of wisdom that you haven't been able to get. And you need to pursue them and just say, hey, I'm not looking for something formal. I just want to do life alongside of you. And, and young, you know, whether, you're, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s, there's always somebody chronologically superior to you around that that right. would work. I mean, it, it's super important. Bill, talk to the retirees, though. These people in, within the body of Christ have been told... Okay, just go ahead and retire, play golf the rest of your life, or play tennis the rest of your life, or ride bikes or collect seashells. Yeah, and anybody who's doing that quickly realizes, wait a minute, I need to, I need to ha- have a sense of meaning and a mm-hmm. sense of purpose. And there is the, you told me not to use any six-syllable words, so I think this is a five-syllable word, but <laughs> generativity is the is the formal term. And the idea is that, you want to leave something behind. You want to build into the next generation. There's, there's an instinctive motive in the part of men as they get older that they want to pass something on. Well, you're now in a position to do that if you're retired, okay? And so you, what, what, what do you have to pass on? Well, you've got your experience. You've got your networks. Uh, you've got your um, uh, insights. You've, you've, you know what works and what doesn't work, or at least what you've seen work and not work. Right. Um, you've got your spiritual capital that you've built up through your walk with Christ. <laughs> Again, I can't stress how invaluable that is for somebody who's just trying to figure life out at age 23, 24, 25. Um, and you don't have to be the source of all wisdom in this universe. In fact, we, you aren't. <laughs> All right, you're, you're not, it's not going to work for you. In fact, you think I probably wouldn't make a very great mentor if somebody just came in and gave you all the, you know, tried to give you all the answers. Let me espouse <laughs> my wisdom upon you. That's Kneel exactly. before me, yeah. Well, one caveat I would throw in here for all concerned, okay? This will sound really crazy. In, in on just about every page of, the, of this book, Men of Influence, I use the word mentor, the term mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In everyday life, I almost never use that term. Mm. I never, ever, ever refer to myself as someone's mentor, ever. Be- because, personally, to me, that feels a little arrogant. The, mm-hmm. the person who gets to decide whether I've mentored them is not me, it's that person. If they want to call me their mentor or Bill was a real mentor to me, that's great. But I don't really care. What I most what we're really talking about here is positioning myself where I can be useful to some other man. And if you're a younger man and you're looking for a mentor, yeah, go ahead and be proactive and ask that guy in your small group at church, you know, who's a little older and you're looking at him and you go, "Man, I'd love to kind of have the perspective he has. Well, go ahead and say, "Hey, can I? I I got some questions. Can I? Can I buy you a cup a cup coffee? Can we get together?" But whatever you do, don't say, "Would you be my mentor?" Because for most older men, they'll get a deer in the headlights look, and they'll be, "Oh, buddy, you got the wrong guy. I I don't have that. I I've I've made too many mistakes. I I don't know anything." 
we have to demystify the process. And, uh, Good word. Demystify. Speaking of demystifying, as we talk about Bill Hendricks from the Giftedness Center, check him out online, thegiftednesscenter.com. Bill, do you have a mentor? Oh, I've got many mentors. I've got many Pauls, Barnabases, and Timothys. Uh, one of my mentors just passed away two weeks ago, Jim, mm-hmm. and I, I went and visited him uh, in hospice. It was one of the highlights of my spiritual life. And uh, to be able to thank him, to be able to call him a hero, to be able to watch him literally reaching out to the Lord and enter eternity, um, I, I can't even describe what a privilege that was. You know, and then I mentioned the men I meet with on Wednesdays, and I, I got a host of people that, again, I never use a term, but I think they would say, you know, when I look at my life, I probably wouldn't be the same person if I hadn't met Bill. When mm-hmm. they say that, I love that. Not not because I'm something, just because I feel like, Lord, what a privilege that you would position me in their life to, frankly, be a scarecrow at the fork in the road saying, hey, guy, if you're going down this road, I'd take this way, not this way. <laughs> What a so, privilege. So real quickly, before we end here, speak to our listeners and just encourage them in their next steps with this conversation. Yeah. Listen, you need to be praying. You need to be praying that God will guide you to a person. Okay? That always is the best place to start. God is more interested in your growth than you are, and he generally does that through other people. So trust him that he's going to bring that person into your life who's going to have a formative and transformative influence. And then, having prayed, start to be proactive and look and take opportunity to build relationship with somebody and then just see where it goes. And believe mm-hmm. me, God will show up. That's good. It is good. And I, we just want to encourage all of us, all of us listening to this conversation today. You may not think you're worthy to be a mentor, but I'll guarantee you that God can use you in the life of another, and it will bless you in ways you can never imagine. Uh, But in the meantime, get a copy of Bill's book, 866-713-9675. But pray about this. Ask the Lord to bring somebody into your life that you can invest your life in. Bill Hendricks, thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Appreciate it. Jim, Martha, it's been a privilege to be with you guys. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work For Him and online iworkforhim.com. I Work The number 4, him.com.